Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Beck Petratus and Alistair Tromley Birchall. The dynamic duo has returned. That's Finally. right. The people were begging for it. Yep. They were like, when are you getting Beck and Al back to talk about a book? That's, That's right. The Fred and Wilma Flintstones of books. People really? Been saying that since you were on the the Rebecca episode <laughs> earlier in the year. Right. Yes, and I imagine this is the Petratus episode. Yeah. I, I feel like I could have actually given this to you and gone to the Owl episode. That would have made more sense. But no, no I want all. No. Of it. Take it all, Rebecca. Take it all. I like Petratus. The yeah. Petratus book, you know it's that one. Be a, a beautiful Lithuanian book. Yes, it's gonna be all about fish. Oh yeah, is that what it means? No, oh, you just talk, oh, you just I love if my name meant fish. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do, do, do you know what Petratus means? I think it means like son of Petra or something. Like I think oh, it's very like. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Is, it? No, is no. Petra related to Petri? Yes. Of the dish fame? Yeah, the dish, yeah. Of dish no, I'm, I'm, son I am I was made guy. in a Petri dish. <laughs> <laughs> is it Petra, is it like sort of like um, Polish where it's like Petri for male and Petra for female? I think it is, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I've forgotten. I have looked this up but my brain soup. Beca- but because I oh, have looked up soup. all the information about your names, of course. That's yeah, why yeah. I know all about the Tromblay Birchels because you're named after someone saying trombone wrong. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. A tree. Yeah, and the Birchalls. Yeah. Um, wow. Do you know the origin of my name? Yep. Someone just made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they put a bunch of letters down and they were like, yeah. no, that's good oh, enough. That'll do. It's one key. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good score on um, on Scrabble. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have you been reading anything since I last seen you? Oh. Gosh, a lot of websites. A lot of X. I've oh, yeah. You're on, you're on X. X. Yeah. yeah so X. I, like going for, yeah. I just I just got onto it. And oh, wow. it's it's really good. Don't you love how news articles all say uh, someone posted on X in brackets formerly Twitter? Like they're still yeah, going they're with still that. Trying yeah. Still explaining it. Just I, even Twitter. though you just say Twitter, yeah, we all just know say, what you're. And if you go to the website, you have to go to www.twitter.com, not www.x.com. I've never gone to x.com. Yeah, yeah, I can't I, imagine that they have x.com. I type Twitter into my phone still, and X comes up. I'm scared yeah. of x.com. Like, what's on x.com? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds. It sounds I can't like, imagine. It they sounds they have pretty have, hot, actually. Yeah, it actually does. It doesn't really good. Um, I've been uh, mostly. Oh, they do have X.com. Oh, they got it. Oh, that guy ha- must have, so, have a X.com. lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have cost heaps. How do yeah. they afford that? Wow. Um, I've I've mostly been reading uh, audiobooks. Does that work? Yeah, that absolutely works, yeah. and it counts. It works and counts. Yeah, I was <gasps> listening to Britney Spears's autobiography because oh, it got recommended go. to me in one of those. You know, pop up that comes up on your phone. I was like, this thing. And I was like, do you know what? 
Well, you are Actually, so yes. easy to sell to. I'm so yeah. you send me a push notification, I'm tapping that. <gasps> oh wow. Yeah. yeah. I've barely yeah. I've I mean I've started a lot of books. I tried to start reading or listening to Hyperion, which mm. is a sci-fi somewhere I'd seen that it was classified as like one of the best sci-fi novels. in a pop-up. It was yeah, in a pop-up. Pop 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 yeah. Hey, this is the best sci-fi ever. Yeah, like, it was, sweet. Bye. I was watching an early 2000s uh, porno website <laughs> and a pop-up came up said, check out, there's a, there's hot, yeah, hot sci-fi books in hey, your when, area. When you're done here, go to Hyperion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so then I went that. And so I got it. And then it required more focus than I, than I had. <laughs> and so... I haven't gone any further at the moment. <laughs> okay. You, the Don DeLillo, you took so long to read that, but you got through that, right? White yeah, Noise, yeah. you finished White that? White Noise, Ooh. man, loved, loved it. <laughs> and then based on me appearing on this show, yes, uh, to, and I told you about White Noise, how it took me at least seven years to, to <laughs> yeah. read it. But you did it. Somebody, um, somebody who uh, listens to your podcast, Kath, Kathy, uh, contacted me and said, "Hey, I have the. I'm gonna. Get, I'm getting the book, <gasps> and I was gonna send it to you so that you could sign it." And I was like, "That's really nice." But she's like, "But then she realized, oh, it's too expensive to sell a whole, send a whole book." She, so she sent me the front page, right? <laughs> and you, you and, signed. Hey, and so then I signed it, right? And I've signed it. And she's like, "I'll use it as a bookmark." <laughs> it's genuinely right? the first time I'm hearing of this. I'm so yeah. happy. And then, and then, I haven't sent. I haven't sent it. <laughs> oh. And and so then, how so long then, has it been? Okay, it's been at least three years, right? Now, <laughs> no, but I did try to send it after about two years. Okay. And then I didn't fill out the customs thing right because it's over in America. Oh, man. And then it came back and I went, I'm so sorry. And then I even wrote another note. I think I was like, I'm sorry, this is taking so long. Now, anyway, I found it again and it's in, I know where it is now and I got to sell it before I leave the country. Send it, not so, sell it. Say, you yeah, sell, well, you sell, just sell so, your and, own autograph. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> and is the, the is it the the front cover? Uh, it's not the front cover. It's like the the, the first page. The, the first page that kind of has like the uh, like you know the the like the title the title page. in there. Oh, yeah. okay, right. Because I was thinking that maybe also Kathy is not able to read the book because she sent you page one. Oh yeah, that would that nothing would be, makes sense. That would be really terrible. Yeah, but luckily none of this is terrible, and thought, everybody comes out looking well, really good. Well, so it just, was terrible. Well, Kathy Ted, the don't worry. I'm, I, I, oh, it was I terrible. The book no, was, was terrible. That's how she got the page I, out. Yeah, no, then the yeah, no, I, I noped out of the pun before. No. I, I think it's fine because the thing, the whole thing is, you took seven years to read it. If you take seven years to send it back, that's kind of exactly that's, that's all part of. It. And and it's nice to be part of a fourteen year cycle of something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> all right, I've read a book. What? <gasps> and neither of you know what it's going to be this week. This week oh. I have read, I've realized I forgot, I like to usually bring it in Dave Letterman style and put it on the desk and show you, but I left it at home, my copy. But um, this week I have read My Brilliant Career oh my by gosh. Miles Franklin. Oh my oh. gosh. Any, what's anything Who's coming to mind? that? Okay, great. Well, okay, so Australian. It's, that's right. I've, I asked people, hey, I need to do more Australian books. A few people suggested I cover this. Miles Franklin has an award named after her. Correct. Um, I have literally no nothing. You There's heard of the Miles Franklin like, Award? You know, like I've got an encyclopedia in my head. I'm up to the Miles Franklin thing and yep. there's just nothing in there. It's just a flappy <laughs> thing in the it's wind. Like, what about the word Miles? That's 
uh, maybe or like that's a few. It's a while away. Yeah. And what about the word Franklin? Did you get anything from that? Um, the turtle that it was a children's cartoon. Yeah, what great. about the discount supermarket Franklin's? Oh, yeah. I missed that. Yeah. I loved it. That, but actually, no. Do you but know what? Was I was a Bilo gal, so oh, okay. like I, I said I missed that, and I was like that. That Bilo. felt wrong. Like you, I felt like I betrayed you Bilo. and Ian Huey Hewitson. Yeah. On Team Bilo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. And then I also know that possibly was a team. When she wrote this book. Yes, very, very young. Yeah. Very, very young. Which we're, uh, I'll tell you a bit more about that, Beck, because you give me this uh Oh, only because I'm like, look. my brilliant career. Yeah, as a team. What? Uh, this one has <laughs> been... Have I done nothing with my life? Yeah, we'll make you feel that way. Uh, this one's been suggested by Catherine, who is a high school English teacher somewhere in Australia. Thank you so much. Abby from Brunswick. Ren Porter from Fremantle over in WA. My dear friend, Erica Steele, who lent me her hardcover copy of the book well over a year ago to do on the show. And Erica, I'm finally doing it. That's amazing. <laughs> now I swear I'm going to return that copy. Okay, My Brilliant Career is a novel first published in 1901 by Australian author Miles Franklin. It was written by the author when she was a teenager. Absolutely right, Al. You're batting at 100 here. Oh. Whilst living on a farm in outback Australia, but she initially struggled to find an, a publisher here. However, it was published in London and Edinburgh in 1901 when she was 21. It got picked up after the book received an endorsement from the renowned poet Henry Lawson. Holy oh. moly. Yeah. Whoa, Henry? Henry liked it. Wow. That's crazy to have uh, to have such a big dog yeah. on your side. I, but maybe maybe he just loves another outback writer. Yeah. Do you think? Is that what it like? Apparently he... He described it as like the, the one of the best portrayals of the outback I've ever heard, ever on. read. But <gasps> wait a second, did he or did his PR team? I'm thinking like, is this the Kardashians? You know, coming in and going like, oh yeah, I endorse this product, but it's really their whole PR team, and they do mm. it so that like there's yes. a, there's a reason they're doing it. Like, was this a power grab? Was like, I'm going to support this. I'm going to say I'm supporting this really? in order to then get in with a different publisher. You know. What was happening mm. in the PR at the yeah, time? Yeah, he was probably trying to get one over Big Banjo Patterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, like yeah, the rival. Yeah. Keeping up with the Lawsons. It was a great show. <laughs> A lot came out. <laughs> Genuinely, that would be great. Yeah. Just a bunch of poets. A reality show about poets would yeah, be really fun. That would be fun. Imagine you find oh. out, like, you know, like there's like lots of drama and you find out he has a secret second drover's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and you find it out by just, I guess, finding a poem about it. Yeah. <gasps> like that. Yeah, that was scandalous back in the day. Oh, man. <laughs> so this book was written under the male pseudonym Miles Franklin, but the author's full name was Stella Maria Sarah Miles Franklin. So she she published it to try and sound as if a man had written the book. Mm. But Henry Lawson wrote the foreword and acknowledged that it was written by a woman straight away. So on page one, he's gotten rid of that. Well, once once they've read it, once they've got they've bought the book. Yeah, who cares? I mean, also not to be, I I've I had relatives of mine. I've had conversations with where they would say, and this is now they would go like, I would never read a female author, and I was like. What? What? Like at this made I was quite young when I was I had an argument at a at a dinner a family dinner yeah. table. I was like, what are you talking about? And then they go and on they, to say, my favorite author, Miles Franklin. He's best writer. Even back in I mean, nowadays it still makes sense. People do judge a book by its cover. If you've already bought, got the book, it's too late. You got the book, you're reading it. Yeah. If you yeah. open the first page, you're like, whoopsie doopsie, oh well, may as well read, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your relatives are yeah. opening reading Lawson's forward and going, Oh crap. Nah, they're going oopsie doopsie. Oh, <laughs> no, but then you go, All right, well I'll read the foreword. That was written by a man <laughs> and then I'll stop. <laughs> 
<laughs> That'll show up. And then pull, pull out the foreword, put that on your bookshelf. <laughs> throw the book throw the rest. In the Perfect. <laughs> no, Lawson writes in the foreword, I hadn't read three pages when I saw what you will no doubt see at once, that the story had been written by a girl. And as I went on, I saw the work was Australian. Born of the bush, the descriptions of bush life and scenery came startlingly, painfully real to me. Mm, is it like about, you know, regional Kmarts? Oh, those target countries? Yeah, target How do you country. Have so many scenes set in a target country. <laughs> uh, the book powerfully resonated with an Australian growing more confident in its identity when it first came out and with young women who had witnessed some political change but still fa- felt frustrated with their lack of social and economic prospects. Can't relate. <laughs> no. Yeah, Beck, this is 120 years ago. It's fu- it's great yeah, now. Yeah, everything's good now. Perfect. <laughs> We're writing from the future. It's all good. Uh, the National Museum of Australia writes, the book also beautifully captured the mood and spirit of the bush and helped shape Australia's perception of itself as a turning point in its history. It didn't sell heaps upon publication or make Franklin rich, sadly. It sold about 1,000 copies a year and she withdrew it from publication altogether in 1910 by which time she'd only made £24 from it. I was about to go, oh, wow. yes, like Family Guy DVDs. <laughs> and I don't know why I was going to do that. <laughs> ah, yes, this is how I can relate. How does this relate to Family Guy? <laughs> oh, did they take Family Guy out of publication? Family Guy got cancelled. Oh. The DVDs became popular. They brought it back. Oh, that's right. This was a very long time oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. It's also yeah. like the same kind of period where like, Dave Chappelle had disappeared for like 10 years. Yeah, a lot. Like uh, there was a lot of uh, tumultuous comedy things happening and now everything's good. Mm. <laughs> and the good thing is all the things that happened in the past, we've solved it now. We've solved yeah, everything's it now. good, especially with Dave Chappelle. Yes, yeah, everything's yes, good everything's with Dave Chappelle. Oh, and it's amazing to see that Family Guy is still on the air <laughs> oh, now. We love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> so this book is quite autobiographical and she actually, so that's why she withdrew it from publication. And it, she forbade that it be republished until 10 years after her death. And this came around in the mid-1960s as modern feminism was emerging and has been in print ever since. Wow. The National Museum of Australia writes, Franklin was a feminist when the word did not exist. She wrote 19 books in her life and spent a lot of time overseas, but her most enduring book is My Brilliant Career. When she died in 1954, she bequeathed her estate to found the prestigious Miles Franklin Award for Australian Fiction. And it's been running ever since. But the author's birth name is also the namesake of the Stella Prize, oh. a major literary award celebrating Australian women's writing. It was established in 2013 by a group of Australian women, writers, editors, publishers and booksellers who became concerned about the poor representation of books by women in the top literary prize, the Miles Franklin Award. I mean, it's so funny because because I didn't know about this, I thought Miles Franklin was named after a guy. Well, it kind of, I mean, it was a guy's pseudonym. That's right. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, why would you not name the prize after her actual name? Yeah. Like originally, like I don't quite understand the logic there, especially because she bequeathed the money and it's like, well, it's like imagine like your nickname becoming a grant. Oh, Cobra. Cobra. I mean, actually, no, that's good. The Cobra, Cobra Award. The Cobra Award's <laughs> sick. That would be really good. <gasps> Dave, we got to get something <laughs> in a wheel. Yeah. Honestly, even it's like a $25, like, you know, Macca's voucher every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> and it's a book prize. Yeah. I will judge the best book. It's $25. I'd think that if someone's given out a, a, a McDonald's voucher 
as a prize. It's, it's named after our, our friend here, yeah, Beth Petraeus. So. I think at this point, I've spent so much money at McDonald's, I've invested enough. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I deserve there it. There should be like a weekly Nuggies fund yeah. from, from the Petraeus yeah, yeah, uh, estate. Really should we let on that there will be a time in the next few minutes where we will pause the podcast because Becca's all the McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. No worry, I'm getting on board. I've got a chocolate sundae coming. Yeah, yeah. No, no, chocolate yeah, yeah. soft serve. I mistakenly too. said no. <laughs> so sorry. That's Al. a huge mistake. Sorry for your loss. Uh, the, the book also got uh, even more uh, press in 1979 when a film adaptation came out directed by Gillian Armstrong, starring Judy Davis and Sam Neill in the main roles. Judy Davis. Two heavy hitters. Sam Neill. Wait, I forget who Judy Davis is. Been in a lot, a lot of stuff. Judy Davis eyes. I've been nominated for a. A bunch of awards, including two Academy Awards. Wow. Which is great. I got to tell you, though, because this is like it's set on like an old bush kind of farm or something like that, right? Yes. That's the thing that straight away makes me, I, I go, I'm not picking that movie. Oh, like you see it on the shelf yeah. and you see like corrugated iron roof and you're like, no, thanks. Yeah. If I see any kind of dress that looks like it's from before 1930 or something like that, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I've checked out. Yeah. You would hate Lady Marmalade, the song. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Good. No. Um, it. no, it's funny that I feel like that really is the trope that of Australian guys. film. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Australian no, Australian film. film just fell into for, a, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult because it's it's hard to find something unique about Australia that isn't just while well, we live in like a, mostly live in cities, yes. things like that. You go, well, there's also that desert that most people don't live in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this one is it's now seen as part of kicking off the Australian new wave of cinema. So I imagine that's why when a lot of us think of Aussie films for a time, yeah. a lot of them are like this. Because ah, this is one of the big ones. One. It did very well and received nominations for the Academy Award for Best Costume Design. And the Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Film. There you go. There you go. That's really good. Australians do really well, I think, for in the uh, best costume. I don't know what, why, but we often seem to win, win <sighs> around around that. Yes, because of um, what's that? Catherine Martin is that her name? Baz Luhrmann's. Oh yeah. Wife who's won, I think, four four of them. Yeah, I had. So I moved into a house in Tathra that once belonged. Like somebody was renting it or belonged to somebody who had been nominated for an, an Oscar for costumes as well. And she because I knew that she was part of the Academy because she had all these DVDs and stuff like that, because apparently, yeah, she could then judge films and vote and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. You get that on your. I mean, I'd be dying on, on that forever if I was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, Absolutely. For costume design. I've, I'm a know, famous I mean, costume designer. We're, we're Australians. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing we were really yeah, we running funny for. funny voices. All right, fine. Well, I'll design the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> now, we always start with the opening line of the book, and it actually opens with a note to the reader. Very uh, uh, self-referential, this book. Before the opening line? Or is there like, note, before you read the opening line? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is the, uh, okay. I'm counting this as the opening line. Okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's dated 1899, written at Possum Gully near Goulburn in New South Wales. And it says oh. in capital letters, my dear fellow Australians. Oh, oh. <gasps> like if a, you like are a... reading this book, I am dead. If you're reading the re-release of this book, <laughs> then I am dead. It, or it sounds like a, like a lamb ad with Sam Kekovich. Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like a prime ministerial kind of speech. Yeah, that kind of thing. You're right. But no, it says, my dear fellow Australians, and it continues in lowercase, just a few lines to tell you that this story is all about myself. For no other purpose do I write it. 
I make no apologies for being egotistical. In this particular, I attempt an improvement on other autobiographies. Other autobiographies weary one with excuses for their egotism. What matters to you if I'm egotistical? What matters it to you, though it should matter that I'm egotistical? This is not a romance. I have too often faced the music of life to the tune of hardship to waste time in snivelling and gushing over fancies and dreams. Neither is it a novel, but simply a yarn. A real yarn. <laughs> That's great. It's also very Taylor Swift coded. Like that feels like she's early Taylor Swift. 1899, you said? Yeah. 1989 Taylor Oh, Swift's my God. It's connected. Oh my God. It's I get con- a lot of TikToks where it's like mostly Swifties talking about numbers being like, this is a 13, this is an 8, <laughs> therefore reputation's releasing tomorrow. And you're like, this is amazing. So now I'm feeling like. Is this somehow related to Taylor Or can Swift? you explain to me how that is Taylor Swift coded? Does it sound like her lyrics? Is that what it you just mean? sounds like Taylor Swift has become very unapologetic in how, oh, okay, how, how girl boss she is. Yes. Because that is a big thing with women still. You know, you get told you're bossy, you're whatever. Like all of the positives of being very masculine are negatives for women and that's misogyny. So this is good so far. You like it so far? I like it so far. I love the word yarn as well. I like well. it too. I, like the, I really love the style of this. Honestly, reading it, I couldn't believe that it was written by a, a teenager 125 years ago. Very Billy right. Eilish. Yeah. Well. It was, honestly, it was, it's very it's very much. Very Olivia hey, Rodrigo. Sorry, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> all, all those teen idols who keep writing amazing lyrics and you're like, wow. How are you doing this? Yeah. Wow. But like yeah. in this, this, like she references the. The fact that you're reading it so often throughout. Just like, oh, hey, one more thing. Now I'm talking about this narrating our own life. It's very, very good. Uh, we've just met our narrator there. Sibylla Melvin is her name. Oh. But it's uh, a lot of the pe- people have said that. This is uh, Miles Franklin's life very much on display here. But okay. Sibylla is talking to us. She recalls her life growing up on a farm called Bragabong, which was a massive 200,000 acres of farmland inherited by her father, Mr. Melvin. So the setting of this whole book is the rugged Australian outback around the turn of the 20th century, old farmhouses in the hot sun, we're talking no power, drovers with livestock, swag men, yeah. <laughs> dust. They've got a lot of swag. Yeah, <laughs> men with swag. <laughs> they got riz. If I'm even to understand what that term means. <laughs> yeah, that's very Kendrick uh, coded. Mm. <laughs> Guys with swag. <laughs> um, now... Just so I'm, I'm clear, because I can never, I can never really tell my swagmen from my drovers. Mm. Yes. Now, are they all just sort of traveling nomadic men who go from job to job? Yes. Yeah, so I think a, a drover is in charge of the livestock, sort okay. of moving your your cattle, your yeah. sheep from paddock to paddock. Okay. And I believe swaggies or yeah. swagmen are more laborers, also right. transient though, going from job to job. Yep. Sometimes just rocking up, knocking on a house in the, you know, the you only house for many K mm-hmm. saying, do you have any work or do you have any bread? Yeah, ah, sure. This is a very helpful. Um, yep. There used to be a theatre restaurant called The Swagman in yeah. the uh, 80s and it seemed to be like like they'd have a dinner and a show and a buffet. Oh. Um, and that's uh, not important information. No, 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 but that helps but it me. Is the word that we were talking about and you said bread. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. They. <laughs> Often. And, and that's oh. how we got there. Do you still get bread at the beginning of a restaurant? Do you ever get – I don't think I, I think, Yeah, yeah. I think the best restaurants – I mean, my family go to a lot of RSLs and they'll bring out a garlic bread 
Oh, just, yeah. yeah, but then also some really fancy ones would bring out That's the little true. like a fancy little butters. Yeah, oh. yeah, fancy like an onion like butter an, or an something oil, like that. Oil, a dippy oil. Yeah, love it, love a little love a little, little dip of oil into the salt. Oh. It's just I've realized I'm not going to that many fancy restaurants these days. <gasps> what are you doing after this? Going to fancy restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so Sibylla lives on Bruggabong with her mother, father, and youngest younger siblings. The most important in the story is her younger sister Gertie. Good name. Great name. Big fan. Oh, Gertrude. (laughs) You're talking about Gertie. Gertie. Her mother was always worried about how tomboyish her daughter was, saying that she should have been born a boy, but her father encourages her to ride horses, climb trees, play with dogs, swim in in streams. And they're all very, oh, ladies can't swim in a stream. Oh, gender's a prison. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why I laughed like that. <laughs> it was very evil. It men, was very evil. Men was, float, you know. women sink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just for their safety. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. And she really looked up to her father. Quote, he was my hero, confidant, encyclopedia, mate, and even my religion till I was 10. But since then, I have been religionless. Oh. Something happened around the age of 10. And it was around this time that her father declared that his talents were wasted farming horses and cattle and that they were no longer profitable enough. And to their dismay, he moved the entire family to a small town near Goulburn called, or to a place called Possum Gully. When they arrived, they are quite well off with two servants and very nice furniture. Oh, wow. But our narrator says that she's writing 10 years later in the present and they are yet to buy any more furniture. But they, I mean, if you... There is a point in your life, I think, where you go like, I'm not going to go to Ikea or go to Freedom Furniture. Yes. And it sounds like that's what's happened. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah. it's more like we had all this nice stuff and 10 years later we haven't replaced any of it because that was the high point in our life. Sure. But yeah. at least you got to the high point. Some oh, exactly, people, exactly. Some people are like. Some people never leave Freedom. And that's great. Nothing wrong with Freedom. Freedom yeah, is beautiful. Yeah. Freedom is freedom. I mean, it's in the title, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you can do whatever you want once you get that. That sort of bed and bedside table package. Yeah. Yeah, you got it all. Because they don't fall apart. You know? Is that right? Oh, it, my Ikea, I'm currently living with a, a dresser with my, my my drawers with my clothes in it. The front of the drawer fell off. And that's just my life. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, left yeah. that now. Yeah, we have an Ikea one doing that too. Yeah, and I'm like, I should have just paid more money and got a piece of furniture that won't fall apart. But do you know what? I'm looking up things on Ikea again. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, expensive. Again. it's expensive being poor. It you, is. You it buy is. shitty stuff, falls apart. Then you got to buy some more shitty stuff. Wow. Buy it, can get a different color. So yeah, you can get that's color. cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that's you, cool. you get that's, the latest that's one. That's how it designed gets you. to not work. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the sound of these servants. What they got? A couple of servants. Yeah, a couple of servants. But Are ten they years, possums? ten years later, Sorry. I got to tell you, no new furniture, no servants. None. Oh. So something's happened. <gasps> Do we know when she turned ten? Was it when she lost the servants? Like, you know, like when she lost her religion, was it when the servants went? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, well, it was soon after because, well, we learned that Sibylla hates and has always had the monotony of the monotony of Possum Gully and how close the neighbours are, even though they're probably not anywhere near near. She's just used to literally living in the middle of nowhere, in the middle yeah. of 200,000 acres. Sure. But now people pop by and her mother, who herself is an intelligent woman, has to have long and boring conversations with, quote, common bushman farmers. Jeez. That sounds pretty not. Oh, people are so snooty. Snoot. I think that they just talk about f- one farming and two the weather. Yeah, and it's, it's just a boring cycle of conversation. But you know what? That's good. I feel like some people go like, "That's a boring conversation." To me, that is a, that's their life. You know, maybe you're yeah. the one that is boring. 
Yeah, I reckon maybe my brain. <laughs> my br- quick. <laughs> I reckon my brain is messed up now because I've reached peak information. Yeah. And, okay. And you know now, too much. And now I can no longer know where I put my phone down. You know, I can't keep that in anymore. I've just like I've recently hit the peak, and everything else is just flowing over the top of my and my 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 mind is a bucket. <laughs> right. And so now, and so I reckon this old this old time right there when you all you needed to do, do was know about farming and know about what the weather was doing and will yep. be doing. I think that was probably maybe better a better time. You would never lose your phone in this situation. I don't think so. <laughs> Watching yeah. all my TikToks yeah, about not. farming and <laughs> and weather. Well, what's more annoying is that the people that come by often borrow things and then don't return them. That you got to agree back. That's annoying. I oh yeah. I, you, do you know of the podcast cup situation? I shouldn't bring it up. No, I shouldn't bring <gasps> the it up. podcast cup. Is there well, a podcast we are called in the studio? Yeah. Is the podcast called Cup Situation? No, but that's a beautiful, right, that's a beautiful name. To me, that's in the sound like. Do you know? Or, do you know the podcast? Do you know yeah, of the you know podcast, the podcast cup, cup situation? And I was like, am I about to hear some sort of like, yeah, you know, now little I just, squabble between people and, the, and their podcast oh, about yeah. it? But it's actually our real life squabble Our real life studio, squabble at the studio. But at the same time, now I want to not tell the story and I will save it to make a podcast called Cup Situation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> regarding the cups that I bought from Kmart that I think look quite nice um, that I've left here just for using on video podcasts. But some people will take it with them. To their They've been taking them. And they'll disappear. Oh no. Oh no. But that means I've hidden them. <laughs> oh, okay. And now Your the desks? cups are only yeah, for me. Right. And now no one gets to enjoy now them no in the video. No one gets my cups. <laughs> um, no, I've lost my mind. I lost my mind maybe a month ago. And then I had a conversation about this with someone. And they were like, that's what you're saying is kind of silly. <laughs> Leave the cups. What's happened? I just need some control. Yeah. Right. Cup situation. Cup situation. Coming soon. Coming soon to Audible. <laughs> <laughs> so they've made this move. Her mother's not happy either. Skeptical of the move, but back then, whatever the father said went. So they just had to go on a whim with their their dad being like, "Let's sell this, sell all this stuff." But her father is confident that he can make their new property a center of stock and farming business in the area. Hmm. He's away on business a lot, and for the first time in her life, Sibylla and her sister are made to go to school where their frilly dresses make them stand out from the other children. They get teased a lot, and their teacher is an alcoholic, so she's not having a great time at school. Meanwhile, the teacher, the teacher, because she's not drinking. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, nine to three. God. <laughs> Can't wait for that bell. Yeah. <laughs> Straight into the whiskey. <laughs> Meanwhile, her dad, Mister Melvin, has made a good impression with the drovers and stock auctioneers, you know, that live locally. But he's too much of a people pleaser. And Sibylla remarks that he's not ruthless enough to succeed in business. He's just got to walk around and go, "That sheep sucks. Yeah. That sheep's yeah. good." And no, not doing that. Shit sheep, good sheep. Yep. He loses money on every sale and very soon comes close to bankruptcy. Oh, no. To soothe himself, he turns to drink once that bell goes. (laughs) And this is when he loses the love and respect of his daughter. No. He very quickly becomes an alcoholic. I mean, he was once her confidant. Yeah, exactly. Her religious man, her religion teacher. He was her father in two senses. Yeah. But now not even one. Well, I guess legally in one, but she's not loving him anymore. He mortgages the family property on Possum Gully, but within a few years he has lost the money from the loan and eventually he throws the towel in and decides to set up a dairy farm. Think of the shame. <gasps> How terrible. I mean, he should have just done that 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Sibylla remarks that now 15 years old, unlike kids that grew up on a dairy farm, their family, their family aren't used to the labour associated with hard work. 
Her mum has to wake up in the middle middle of the night to churn butter. So it's not a fun, fun time. Yeah. But if you'd grown up, you'd be used to it. Sure, sure, sure. It looks kind of fun churning butter. There's that thing where you're kind of going like, yeah. splooch, 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 splooch. Like and then at some point it goes, and then you go, oh, it's happened. It's butter. Yeah. I'm actually so surprised that churning butter hasn't become some sort of fitness trend either. That's true. Because so many people get up early to go to the gym. What if your gym also produced butter? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Or if you could somehow like hook the treadmill up to some sort of butter device. Oh, it'd be really so good. So you're running for butter. Well, the treadmill feels like it'd be better for, to help whip, uh, whip, you know, oh, maybe yeah. whip some cream. Or, yeah. Or maybe okay. like grind, <laughs> grind wheat right? and then you get bread and then you have oh, butter yeah. and bread. Maybe if there's a, if a, a combo that's gym really of good. a bunch of yeah. different food stuff steam, so you get a, a piece room. of toast at the end. The steam room is actually just <gasps> an oven. Phenomenal. <laughs> For cooking people. Yeah, well, and bread. <laughs> Maybe you could prove some of the bread in there. Oh, yeah. So she's lost respect for her dad, who okay. shirks all responsibility to the family, keeps drinking, especially on market day when he sells the butter and then instantly spends the family's profit on booze. All right. So mum's been churning butter all night and then dad's like, oh, I love market day because yeah. I get to buy booze on market day. Oh, that sounds like me when I get paid and then I buy Pokemon cards. Like, yeah. What have I done to myself? <laughs> you know what he should get into? He should get into making booze. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that would have been a good idea. Yeah. Because a lot of that is just sitting around waiting for a thing to do something. Exactly. And I don't you, know about booze likes. <laughs> yeah. And if you'd started doing it ages ago, then you know you got a steady stream of booze coming in. Potatoes? Right. You've got, you got farmland. Sorry, 200,000 <laughs> yeah. acres. How do you get vodka out of a potato? You got to squeeze it really hard. Okay. Yeah. It's like, even... it's like getting diamonds out of a potato. <laughs> <laughs> diamonds out, like getting diamonds out of a potato. Yeah. <laughs> the harder you squeeze. First it goes to vodka yeah. and then diamond. Oh. <laughs> not to mention dad. He's not a great guy now. He used to be, he used to love his animals. He used to be very caring. Now he's pretty much pretty much abusive to them, like mm. sort of hitting them and stuff to, to make them... I don't know, produce milk and things like that. So she, she's not happy with dad. He's not a happy guy. And she, she writes, Towards mother I felt differently. A woman is but the helpless tool of man, a creature of circumstances. She doesn't get on well with her mother. They clash, but she feels more sorry for her. Really, for her dad, she, he, she's like, this guy sucks now. Everyone here needs a mental health care plan. Unfortunately, <laughs> it is before those words existed. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, it's that, it's that thing where it's like, well, you, you're the only guy with rights. And you're fucking wasting them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I could see why then you would be a big pain in the ass. On the farm, she has a lot of time to think about things, which she sees as a weakness because she writes, I'm afflicted with the power of thought, which is a heavy curse. <laughs> the less a person thinks and inquires regarding the why and the wherefore and the justice of things when dragging along through life, the happier it is for him and doubly, trebly so for her. It just sounds like a meme. <laughs> You'd say that sounds like a deep fried meme, like there'd be a picture of SpongeBob and those words over it. <laughs> we should do that. <laughs> Quote unquote, Sibylla. <laughs> My brilliant career. A drought strikes the area, making life even tougher for everyone. You're kidding. The animals have barely enough food to survive, and one of Sibylla's duties becomes helping cows to stand up as they are too weak to do so on oh, their own. Oh, jeez. So they get, they get together every day, like, all right, let's get the cows up. Aww. How would you do that, do you think? Would you. Stand above them while they're kind of crouching. Yeah. And then lift them from the side. Get your hands under the belly. I think that would like, like sort of like hold a treat in front of their snoot. Oh, so yeah. Lift it up slowly. Mm. Oh. And Or just start begging. Nah. Please. Please. Yeah. Please. Please. Just be stand begging in cows. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
When failing to help a cow stand one day and collapsing with the others from their own fatigue, we get the title of the book. She writes, after the cow collapses, Weariness! Weariness! Exclamation marks. This was life. My life. My career. My brilliant career. I was 15. 15. A few fleeting hours and I would be as old as those around me. I looked at them as they stood there, weary and turning down the other side of the hill of life. When young, no doubt they had hoped for and had dreamt of better things, had even known them. But here they were. This had been their life. This was their career. It was, and in all probability would be mine too. My life. My career. My brilliant career. Oh, I feel this entire yeah. bit. Yeah. Sometimes I've stood in a field looking at a cow that won't stand up going, far oh, out. Is this here? it? This is it. Oh. Yeah. So she's very over the top and exaggerates her plight, but I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She's often complaining and hamming things up, but the exaggeration is very funny. She's also- Is she hamming or is she beefing? Sorry. <laughs> Do you know I've- That's good stuff. Yeah. Go, 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 get in. She's beefing it up. When, when you were saying they were being mean to the cows, I'm like, oh, they're making whipped cream. And then when you were like, the cows are sad and they're not, not, not getting it up, I'm like, oh, oh, heavy cream. Don't worry. I've had to hold myself back. I need you to know. Never hold I back. Yeah, I never know. hold back. Let it out. Well, I started saying it and I was like, they're all going to come out. We want we want your, your kind to be free on this podcast because that's the theme of this podcast. <laughs> Alistair supports yeah. women. <laughs> uh, oh, I was talking about women. Oh, yeah, people who eat McDonald's yeah, pe- and interrupt pe- people the podcast. Who, eat, who have mostly a, a diet of gummy bears. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> my brilliant diet. <laughs> You're mostly gummy at this stage. <laughs> so yeah, we love her. She's also self-aware, and at one stage, she describes the upcoming section as dull and egotistical, and encourages the readers to skip ahead. She's like, "You don't want to read this bit." So it's great. I've I've heard that there's a bit like that in well, he, I don't think he tells you to skip it, but in in uh, her her Herman Melville's uh, Moby Dick, Moby Dick. A very long bit about whales, where I've heard people kind of like where he's just describing different types of whales, and people are like, Jesus Christ, it's like. <laughs> Sixty pages on describing different types of whales. I love that. But is he? Does he have the self awareness bit to be like, "Hey, skip ahead"? Or just it, skip ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is just me. I'm on back on my whale bullshit. <laughs> just a boring man. Yeah. I think you know. I think if I was a proper author at any point, I would. I'd be like, "Look, all right, the next bit." To be honest, it's just I've put this in for me. You get to page two, and it's like, "Hey." This next bit's boring, but if you don't, just skip ahead and it says like, it's like choose your own adventure style. Yeah. Skip to page 198 and it just says the end. <laughs> that's great. That's really good. So, but something that's not all exaggeration is that all the cows die. Sorry oh. to say the drought is so bad, leaving Sibylla's family no way to pay off their debts. But heaps of meat. Yeah, so much meat. Lots of steaks. <laughs> yeah. The steaks. <laughs> Available, uh, not are, are stacked high. Yeah, we can say higher. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's really good. High. But I, yeah. they're up in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they get loans from family members, but then the agent who collects the money runs off with it. Runs Aww. off with the envelope full of cash. So the house and possessions are repossessed and then sold on. Oh, no. However, the person who sells their stuff feels so sorry for the family. He allows them to uh, buy them back at a mock auction. For, for like weight, like it's like, you know, here's a bed and they're like, oh, a cent. He's like, oh, okay, yep, there you go. So they're able to buy this stuff back. Wow, at a auction. At a auction. <laughs> <laughs> Again, their family and the neighbourhood rallies around them and Sibylla is, is actually buoyed by the love that she sees, that people are helping their family. Well, I can't. See, back in those days you couldn't get girled by that kind of thing. <laughs> 
still think you can't get girled. Can't you get girled. Get can't get girled. Boyed girl. Boyed by, uh, girled oh. by support. <laughs> Do, you know, like people from North America often say buoy instead of boy for yeah. a floating one. Do they also say buoyed? For yeah, buoyed? yeah, they would say buoyed. Yeah. I think. Buoyed, girlied. Girlied. <laughs> I love language. <laughs> <laughs> But they still have no way to make money, so Sibylla's mum tells her that she'll have to go and work herself. Sibylla proclaims that she will make her own living, but when asked what she can do, she doesn't really have an answer before saying, um, musician? <laughs> and her mum's like, you're not good enough to do that, which is brutal. She plays piano, but I, I don't don't know if she actually could be professional. So Sets Sibylla- up an Etsy shop? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just set up an Etsy shop. Does she do that? Yeah, <laughs> no. Sell, oh. sell, sell a few songs on Etsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sing for jingles. a supper. Sibylla's <laughs> yeah. so grandma, her mum's mum, named uh, Mrs. Bossia, oh. which is good, offers to take in Sibylla on her homestead, an extremely remote and rural estate called Cadigat. Good I name. I like that name. Yeah. Her mum's mum comes from money. And uh, Grandma, Mrs. Bossia, pledges to develop Sibylla into a proper lady in order to prepare her for marriage. So that's the deal. She's like, look, I'll take her in, but uh, she's going to be living under my roof and I'm going to you know, make her into a, a fine young woman. <laughs> Something that, of course, Sibylla is not keen on at all. She can't see why anyone would want to marry her and why she'd ever want to marry anyone else for that sure. matter. She sees marriage as, quote, the most horribly tied down and unfair to women existence. So she's... Ah, she sees the truth. (laughs) I do not want to get married. But that said, Sibylla really likes living at Kattegat, which is a lovely house, with her grandmother and her aunt Helen and her uncle Julius. She wasn't sure how it would be, but they're all very kind to her. She has her own room, which importantly has lots of books. She's She's a book chook. She oh, loves to read. What's yeah. she reading? All sorts of things, but at the, the old homestead, they couldn't afford to buy any new books. But here. The whole family should move into the homestead. They really should. Yeah. Move back home. Because what are they? Like now they're living off of stuff that they bought back from some rich guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know. Dad's drinking. I guess, you know, whatever. Maybe the grandma didn't want them all. Didn't want them all, no. He didn't want to t- she didn't want to turn them all into fine young women. Sure. Just one. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. Her Aunt Helen also helps her with her views on how unattractive Sibylla sees herself. She bans Sibylla from looking in the mirror for four weeks and then gives her a bit of a makeover. And when she sees herself a month later, she sees a much happier person looking back at her in the mirror and no longer thinks herself as being plain. But a lot of it is just attitude because she's living, enjoying her life a lot more Did she now. take her glasses off and then yeah. look in the mirror and go, she, what? Well, she shakes her yeah. all Shakes her hair out. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. I'm Anne Hathaway. What the hell? <laughs> I didn't realize. How hot would it be if you, Dave, if you took off your glasses and looked <gasps> in the mirror? Dave, and you, have and you, you ever done Anne, that? And you were Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear listener, I've just taken off my glasses. And, and it was really It was actually good. really sexy. I floored my guests. Princess Diaries yeah. moments. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm hot. So she has that moment, which is a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment, yeah. There are three men who seem interested in the disinterested Sibylla throughout the book. She describes men as the uselessest, good-for-nothingest, clumsiest animals in the world. Sure. Uh-oh. Cop that, men. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, say. even more useless than those dead cows. <laughs> <laughs> um, and is she still 15 here? What, 16? Probably for this stage, she's 16, I would say. 
because she celebrates her 17th birthday on Kattegat. Okay. So, but despite her disinterest in, in men, three other young men show interest in her throughout the book. Uh, first up, and this is like sort of they cross over a bit, but just for, for ease of storytelling here. First up is Frank Horden, a jackaroo, who was an apprentice with the sheep. And so I wait, just don't know what a jackaroo yeah, is. Jackaroo, when you said it, I was like, that sounds like an swagman. animal. Yeah, and honestly, I, th- like I, a- I think it, the definition that I looked up was... An apprentice who looks after sheep. Oh, oh yeah, right. So, so I think I wasn't sure. Either. I thought it was a mystical creature. And I was like, that's exciting. <laughs> it was a jack with the horns of a jack. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, a jack is also known as a sheep. Is that right? Or is it like yeah, a, a jumbuck, a jack, a jumbuck? I don't know. Maybe a jack is, is, a, is a nickname for a sheep. Definitely jumbuck. Jumbuck. Yeah, jumbuck. You can know. call a sheep jack as well. You can call a sheep jack. Yeah. But you can't take the jungle out of a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking up? Can you call a sheep jack? Wait, can you call a sheep jack? Okay, can you? <laughs> That's just a great thing a to Google. Sheep jack. Um, let's see. Jack. Jack is a male ass. Okay. okay. So they're an assaroo. Yeah. Oh, but I came up with jackaroo. A boy butt. And a jackaroo is a young man, feminine equivalent, jillaroo, working on a sheep or cattle station. Um, to gain practical experience in the skills needed to become an owner, overseer, manager, etc. All right. It's so sad that like in office culture, it's just like this is like a trainee or whatever. Why don't we call them like Scooby-Doo's? Like that's yeah. such a fun yeah. name. Yeah, Jackaroo and Jillaroo. Oh, so cool. Yeah, just instead of an apprentice. I am doing an apprenticeship in farm work. <laughs> and then, but you just go straight from Jackaroo to overseer? Was yeah, that the yeah, graduate you could be an role? overseer. Oh. <laughs> It does sound like this has become a fantasy novel. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is just a it's just a young, horny farm guy who's always hitting on her. This is Frank Horden, and she's constantly rejecting him. When he first sees her, he goes in for a bit of negging. He tells her he's disappointed that because he's heard that this young lady's coming to join the farm, and he tells her that he's disappointed that she is not pretty. And she apologizes. She apologizes and says, and he says. All right, you're not a bad sort, and think a fellow could have fun with you. So this guy's read the game. Yeah, this yeah. guy's really—he's just nagging. Yeah, yeah, he's like, now I got her where I want. <laughs> he later confesses his love and asks her to marry him, but she is not interested in the slightest. He's a real oh clinger, this guy. Oh. oh no! Straight away, he's like, no, please, <laughs> I'll kill myself if you don't go out with me. <laughs> but she's like, I am not interested, mate. Later on in the book, I think. They're supposed to go out together or something like um, with a horse and cart. And I think she just takes the horse and rides away from him. Sick. Yeah. So that's Frank. Next. Next up there is Everard Gray. Oh, Oh. Everard. Everard is a a fancy name. Who's a young man who was the orphan of English aristocrats who had his fortune stolen by distant relatives. Oh, no. Mrs. Bossier, who's Sibylla's grandmother, found and educated him, and she now considers Everard Gray her adopted son. So I guess it's her adopted uncle. Oh, so that's the uncle? I guess because it's her grandma's adopted son. Yeah. Hey, and you're about to say that he is also one of the guys who's like, hello. Hello there, yeah. adopted niece. Oh, that's such a gross uncle move, yeah, though, this- isn't it? I think they're, they're oh. a similar age. He's maybe three or four years older, but so they're, they're, they're 
fairly similar in age. Uh, they are, they are uncle. That vibe's bad. Bad vibe. No, it's got a bad vibe. Bad but vibe. It's, it's those, it's, it's country rules, you know, it's cause it's like, yeah, there's no one else. You know, when you can't like, you know, that, that guy, you can understand how I was disappointed by, you know, that, that the looks didn't necessarily <laughs> please him. He's like, he probably had to like walk for three days to get to the house or things like that. And but then he's, he's like, also, Oh, this was a huge part in the ass. Damn. You're the first whole week's he's dis- wage. He's disappointed. He's like, you're the first woman I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't stack and up to my imagination of what you would look yeah. like. You're not it's as good as my mum. definitely her fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, he's like, nah, you're all right. Yeah. I could spend my life with you. I love you, by the way. Please, yeah. Please. I need you. Please. I need you. So this is Everard Gray. He's a sophisticated young man. And when he hears Sibylla sing, he asks her grandmother if he can bring her to Sydney to train as a performer. And she's like, great. I get to have a career as an artist. Get out of this place. But Mrs. Bossier, her grandmother says, career? That is all girls think of now. Instead of being good wives and mothers and attending to their homes and doing what God intended, all they think of is gadding about and being fast and ruining themselves, body and soul. And the men are as bad to encourage them. So her grandmother is not keen on letting her go to Sydney with Everard. Oh, her grandma's got that internalised misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she doesn't know what that is because no. I don't think they know how to no. say things. That's right. But he wears her down mm. and gets her grandmother's permission to allow Sibylla to visit Sydney the following year. But due to financial constraints, this plot line never pans out. <laughs> she never goes to Sydney. God, that's, that's very relatable to any artist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. can't afford to go to Sydney. Oh. oh, that doesn't happen these days. Why is this book could be now? It's amazing. Have it's we a- done like a, there should be a modern retelling like... You know, Tammy the Shrew, 10 Things I Hate About You style. Yeah, that yeah, be really should fun. Be, but it should <gasps> still st- star Sam Neill in my yeah. Yes. And Heath Ledger. Yes. yes. So again, her chance at a brilliant career has been shot down. And there's not much more from Everard Gray, but it was clear that he was trying to get her to come up to Sydney and sort of hit on her a bit. So he was a bit creepy as well. Oh. Finally. I him- just genuinely, how how girl of me to go, what a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but he was more like... <laughs> Oh, yes, you could come and sing. I know some singing teachers. Why don't you come oh, to Sydney man. and live with me? Yeah. I took that completely at face value. That's yeah. a great opportunity for my career. This is great. Yeah, it's a classic move. It's just like, hey, it's a casting couch. Essentially, it's a casting yeah. couch. He nearly got her to go to Sydney too, but financially it didn't work out. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So finally we land at the third bachelor, bachelor number three, Harold Beecham. The owner of the neighbouring estate. The Ooh. even more affluent Five Bob Downs. Boy next door. Five Bob Down? Five Bob Downs. Bomb Down? No, Bob Down. Bob Down, the comedian? Bob Down, the singing comedian? I'm not sure if he got that from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of their estate, Five Bob Downs. I don't think Bob Down got it from this. <laughs> I reckon you might have. <laughs> I mean, that would be amazing. Anyway, okay, yeah. Bob Downs. Okay, so it's five Bob Downs. Five Bob Downs. So is that is that a play on words to do with money? Isn't that like five Bob? Five Bob. Yeah, yeah five and Bob. it is five hyphen Bob. Down. And then Downs. I think Downs is just like I remember. 
It's like springs or something. Yeah, like yeah. Like I remember, like my grandma lived in Swan Hill, and just over the river was Murray Downs. Yeah, mm. Murray Downs. Murray Downs. So I think it's like that. But you're right, five bob. It is a half an hour. So it's, I think it was a bit of a joke. Bit of a joke yeah. there, but when really it's like you know hundreds of thousands of acres. Sure. Yeah. So the handsome Mr. Harold Beecham is introduced to us as, quote, my first, my last, my only real sweetheart. (gasps) Hello, other main character. Hello, young Sam Neill. Oh. Let's put that in your mind. And plus, I love a guy who's got proximity. (laughs) I love a guy you don't have to catch two buses to get to. Someone who's accessible. Yeah. When they first meet, it's actually a bit awkward because he sees her and assumes she's one of the servants. And cheekily, and cheekily or grossly, depending on what you think of this, he asks her to kiss him. Yeah, uh, I'm, gonna go, the servant. I'm going gross yeah. on that one. But she thinks it's kind of funny. So she doesn't kiss him, but she does play along as a servant girl. She's like, oh, you're sorry. Oh, he's like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> she's like, oh, sorry, sir. Uh, only for him to be later introduced to her by her family. And he's so awkward about it when he realizes, oh my God, <laughs> I spoke to you as the servant. I tried to kiss you as a servant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why he's awkward. He's like, I acted inappropriately to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. I can usually get away with the servants, but probably not now. It's so weird. What, what are, who are these servants? They're just, I guess, employees, right? Yeah, employees. Mm. They're like uh, helping out around the farm, mm. doing cleaning, cooking, those these kind of things. But let me tell you about Mr. Harold Beecham. He's young. He's hot. He's rich. The big three right there. Yeah. He's close. <gasps> big call. Close, yeah. And people assume later on that Sibylla is into Harry for his money, but really she tries to be not into him at all because she detests all men. Mm. He can also play piano and sing, and this does impress Sibylla also. <laughs> Men with your wiles yeah. and your talents. Oh, damn it. Damn I mean, it. You're actually very, you have a lovely voice. I yeah. have to admit it. I mean, the arts, the arts, when you think about it, it's, that's just our, that's our mating call. <laughs> la, 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 la. That's yeah. so disgusting. I mean, I think I, I still I genuinely- like the idea of you getting on stage to do stand-up and going, here's my mating call. Yeah. Hey, so I have a giant urethra. I, yeah. <laughs> I Which, think we've got to say that is one of Al's great bits. That's one yeah. of Al's bits. That yeah. was a specific yeah. reference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, genuinely, I, I, I think that that's why art, <laughs> artists fall away after they've found love a that's lot of the time. So funny. They're just kind of like, oh, it serves its purpose. It's attracted the mate. Oh, I, right. I don't have to paint anymore. Yeah, I now I can go sell like I, uh, gotta say CCTV. Maybe Al, that's just a very man way of doing things too. I mean, I'm not doing I think that. It's very- <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to not quit. Exactly. His best art is yet to come. Yeah. And he's been, he's been in love made, for years. I've made my best stuff since I've had children. Yeah. Yes. I don't even need to have sex anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> All right. I've retracted my statement. Yeah. But it sounds like playing the piano and singing in this time is like, you know, that's the sitting down at a party with a acoustic guitar doing yeah. Wonderwall sort of thing. Yeah, but everyone, they, mm. they all sit around. They had so little to do back then. Yeah, It's just piano by candlelight every night. That's cool. That kind of sounds lovely. Yeah. I Actually, think, it sounds dull. No, I want to play. I want to go on TV. Yeah, I had one dinner with my kids the other day where the, no, there was no screens on and I was like, God, that was a nice experience. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. That's great. So they also tease each other quite a bit, Sibylla and Harold. Sibylla has heard that Harold is usually pretty level-headed but has a famous temper that comes out every now and then, which she, of course, tries to get out of him. She mm. sees it as a bit of a challenge. 
<laughs> he also teases her when she falls down when startled by a horse in response to her description of men being the uselessest thing she's ever seen. He says to her that, oh, I guess women are the helplessest, uselessest, troublesomest little creatures in the world. Which she actually finds quite funny. She's like, okay, you got me. Right. I fell down because a horse started me and you zinged me. Can I, can I ask, this is just a random question. There is a scene in a recent film involving a very similar thing. A woman, like a, it's a, like a teen movie. A woman falls down near a horse and a man laughs and a, the boy she likes laughs at her. I can't remember what movie oh. it is. That's a very similar. Anyway, now I'm th- trying to remember. It was a sequel to a very old movie and I can't remember what it is. Anyway. Text in. Text Let us Text know. In. Nah, book cheat, book chooks. So they start to hang out more and more and Harold is chivalrous, but she can't get a handle on his vibe because he never speaks affectionately towards her or acts like he's super into her because he's had uh, Frank Horton, the guy that just constantly declares his love, and she's like, this guy's nice, but he never says that. Does that mean he's not into me? What's yeah. going on? Her aunt asks her if she intends to marry Harold and Sibylla says she doesn't plan to marry anyone. Mm. And if Harold thinks he can just marry anyone he wants, then she's going to surprise him and play hard to get. Goes contrary. But, Uncle- I mean, I think within that she's like, oh, but I do have a position in which I'm definitely going to get got. It's just yeah. going to be yeah. difficult. <laughs> exactly. I'm just not going to make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Julius also notices the flirtation between the two and advises Sibylla that if it was any other man, he would have put a stop to things long ago. But he thinks Harold is a good man and he's basically given her the green light. Yeah, that's it's great. Like, well, now that my uncle thinks I should yeah. get this guy, All right. I go. Yeah. All right. Is this, is this the, the uncle that wants to also take her to... F- no, this is a this is Aunt Helen's husband. Okay. So I guess even less related to her. Yeah. Great. So we can trust him. Yeah, we can. He's got the outsider's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> One day they all go out to a day at the races and Blanche Derrick is there. Oh, my God. And I know you're thinking, Blanche Derrick, that's the hottest name I've ever heard. Blanche has a reputation as the most beautiful woman in all of Melbourne. Oh, my God. Wow. And also for chasing men with large fortunes. Uh, she get into look the out, Harold. Yeah. Sorry, she, doing two different yeah. things. <laughs> she gets straight. She can get in the birdcage. She gets my straight advice, in there. giving her that cool clothes. Yeah. She's doing spawn con around the races. Absolutely. Is this, this down is, at Flemington or is this a sort of more like yeah. a Mooney Ponds kind of? A, it's a Mooney Ponds. It's more of a like really, really rural. <laughs> okay. Like a, the track is like a. <laughs> <laughs> a paddock. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So, but this lady traveled all the way from Melbourne. All the way up there. Wow. Yeah, like the Birdsville races or something like one of those. Is that camels? That could be the camels one. I think that's the sure. camels one. Yeah. So, but it is outback, that kind of thing. And uh, so she's got this, she's famously beautiful, mm. always hanging out with uh, men with large fortunes. And Harold spends the whole day talking to this woman. Remember, he's very oh, rich. No. Mm. And Sibylla gets a bit jealous and laments her own perceived lack of beauty. She's like, damn, I guess all the hot people get up then. Fine. But that night at a party at Harold's place, they all go back, Harold takes Sibylla aside and asks her to marry him. Jesus. Good order of operations too. No kissing, no relationship. Nothing. Straight to win. Straight in. Oh, man. And despite everyone telling her that this would probably happen, she is shocked. <laughs> He just says, yes or no, will you marry me? Yes or no? Let me know. And he makes no big declaration of love or no big move. There's no move. It's just I've I've got a question to ask you. Will you marry me, yes or no? And she says yes, which is actually 
he's actually surprised by that because he says, oh, I never thought you'd say that. I never thought you'd be, uh, you'd say that so easily, quote, just like any other girl. Then something happens. The book says, as Harold stooped with the intention of pressing his lips to mine, I quickly raised the whip and brought it with all my strength right across his face. The instant the whip had descended, I would have smashed my arm on the doorpost to recall that blow, but that was impossible. It had left a great welt on the healthy suntan skin. So he's asked her to marry her. She's gone a bit like, oh, I guess so, yes. And then he's leaned in for a kiss. She's panicked, grabbed a whip and hit him across the face. Hitting his eye, hitting his cheek. He's bleeding. He's quite injured. And she's worried that she's about to see his famous temper. But instead, he instantly forgives her and says, I know you didn't mean to hurt me. He cleans himself up and they return to the party and he ignores all the questions about why his face is suddenly cut up to all shit. <laughs> well, this sounds like a healthy start to any <laughs> marriage. What, what a wonderful... What? Huh? What? Yeah. Huh? This is why I've always had at least one date before yes. I... Before I... Uh, yeah, yeah. Before I ask yeah. someone to marry me. In case yeah. you know that they're quite ready with the whip. Yeah, where'd the whip right. come from? I think they're in like they went out to like a barn or a shed or something oh, away from the party. Like, ah! and she just went, oh, and like sort of went, oh God, why'd I do that? I mean, in saying that, it, none of this sounds like it does sound like a weird. If you are asked to marry someone and then kiss, that's odd. What if the kiss is bad? Yeah, what if their yeah. lips are awful? Oh, and then you're like, I'm married to these lips, real shit lips. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm married oh, shit lips. I mean, maybe back in those days they would just believe that you know if somebody had bad you know bad kissing lips that you could train them like you would let's say a, a, a you know a working dog on a farm mm. yes. to eventually get do the things that you want to do lips. In many ways, are like a, a cane, any cane on. You can teach it old yeah, lips yeah. new tricks. Old lips new tricks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of lip service. That sounds yeah. so overly sexual. Yeah. Old lips new, new tricks. tricks. <laughs> Awful. Oh. Well, that's the name Come of here, darling. podcast. I'll teach you a few things. This, is, this is how you pucker up. <laughs> 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 so he forgives her. She's still a bit in shock. She's like, what the hell's just happened? They dance at the party, but Sibylla later lays awake all night wondering why a man like him would ever love her. This is so interesting because she comes into the book. I mean, I guess this is after everything because she's wrote it. That's the, the idea of this. Yes. but And she's like overconfident at the end. But it's at the start. And now she does. She just has a lack of confidence. Yeah, yeah she's confident in some areas but in other areas really lacking mm. self, self-esteem. self mm. Yeah, I mean there's also like part of it is that you get cornered, don't you, by life. She's like, well, if I don't get married, then I'm stuck here. And then I kind of like. Yes. No, no, no. And she, I do not like anything I see around here. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, so I think life has a tendency to beat you down. And it's like <laughs> a lot of the things that you believe when you're young, you're kind of like, sure. You know, it's like, you know, there were times where I was like, I don't believe in marriage and blah, 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 things like that. But then at some point you're like, yeah, but it, it's like. It make it would make my partner feel nice if we got married. <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, and I don't mind spending much time with them. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. Whereas a part of me, though, thinks this situation is mostly caused by the confusingness of it all. Like, yeah. Like, it's very, it, it reminds me of like the other day I bought um, Crocs that uh, have Grimace's face on them. Sure. And Previously, you were, you pledged to never do that. I yeah. pledged to never do that. <laughs> because, but because life. I, but well, actually, don't. do you know what I did? I said Crocs are stupid, but I did have a very bad day. <laughs> 
a bunch of weird things happened, really weird stuff. And then I was like, do you know what? Maybe this will make this. I think you your brain can do weird things. Yeah. Right. Odd. I think there's a lot of odd information to be given. But we're all wondering, did it make everything better? <gasps> Buying the Crocs. Oh, me. I thought you were talking about the book. I thought this oh, was going to no, be a segue. No, I'm No, wondering. yeah, the, my life is fine now. Okay, there you go. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. So I think I can imagine <laughs> that things will be the same thing the for same? Yeah. Uh, Miles Franklin slash Jabilla. <laughs> Sibilla. Sibilla. I, I didn't realise that's probably what Sybil is short for. Sybil. I think it is. And it's also maybe, I think in the old days, like Isabel sometimes and Isabella, oh. they would call Sybil. Oh, yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, you're right. Well, then it probably isn't Sibella. How's it Sibella spelled? Uh, it is S-Y-B-Y. Double L A. Oh, sounds ah. a lot like Sybil. I guess you could say Cybella, but I uh Cybyla. 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 Alright, Cybyla. <laughs> Will you marry me? Yes or no? Yes or no. You never see see the uh Y get used like in its Y form when it's in a kind of like a vowel uh, you know position. You never see like Siabiela. <laughs> oh my god, that's how you speak Russian. <laughs> Siabiela. Oh, just sounded like you were speaking backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he just said? <laughs> so Harold soon arrives with a ring, but because they're you know they're engaged, even though she struck him across the Where's face. Where's the way to get a ring? I guess Rings he, are expensive. Yeah, oh, but he's, he's rich. Ring. He's rich. But she asks that they keep their engagement secret for three months in a sort of cooling off period. Oh my and if they're gosh. still keen on each other after that, they can tell the world. And he's like, okay. All red flags, this relationship. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Well, here's another one. In the three months, she flirts with other men in front of him to test him. But he doesn't respond or seem angry, and this convinces her, well, I guess he's not really into me. And I imagine he's having similar th- thoughts when he's seeing her openly flirt with other men just to get him angry. That is until her 17th birthday, <laughs> when Harold and a friend called Mr. Good Chum are <laughs> Good chum. Ah, good, good chum. <laughs> they, that sounds like a name you put in and you're like, well, that's their good chum. I'll, yeah. I'll obviously replace the <laughs> <Yeah>. name later. <laughs> Grandma was called Mrs. Bossier. Oh, yeah. What's so <laughs> Yeah. So um, anyway, this sounds like somebody who's going to have a literary award named after <laughs> two, perhaps. <laughs> Some great subtext going on for here. every great name. <laughs> and good chum, the friend, jokes that Sibylla is 17 and never been kissed and he tries to kiss her. She dodges it, but they do spend the day flirting, and this annoys Harold. Finally, he confronts her. He's like, what the hell are you doing? You're only making out with my friend. Are we engaged? Or not? I know it's a secret, but are we engaged? And she throws the ring back at him, saying she doesn't owe him anything and that he never planned and she never planned to marry him oh. and become his wife slash slave. I mean, kind of, yeah. yeah I, mean. I, I feel like that probably might. Good. 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 But, I'm with her. Yeah. I, I feel like, but also this is giving off energy. You know when your friend breaks up with someone? Oh, you probably don't. This is a very girl thing. Okay. If your friend breaks up with someone, they're the enemy. You go over and you're like, how dare they, blah, 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 blah. Like that's, you have to take that stance. It's the law. Yeah. yeah, it's the yeah. law. So to me, I'm already I'm already with Sibylla. I'm like. Yes, yeah. he's he, trash. He's trash. He's trash, man. Cut him out. But also out. he sounds like all red flags. He's keeping you a secret for why. Mm. Like he's very controlling. This is a very controlling well, situation. In fairness. In, they she, probably agree to it both. Who cares? She, I don't care. She he's did the ask, enemy. She asked him to be the Dave, secret. Don't you dare. He's like, I want to tell everyone. Don't turn. Yeah. Don't she's like, turn oh, against Sibylla. Shut up. You shut up. <laughs> but really, so she's telling him, she's thrown the ring. Mm. really she's actually quietly stoked to have finally awoken some passion and emotion in him because he's yeah, never right. like declared his love or anything like that. He's just kind of gone, yes or no, will you marry me? 
Yeah. And now she's finally annoyed him. And she's like, okay, hmm, I get to see, you know, his real personality. But the two part in anger, she feels bad as she realizes, I actually do like this guy. I wish I hadn't done that. So she goes after him and they make up. I thought you say out. Yeah, no, no making out yet. Oh, my gosh. She'll never kiss. Never no, making out. kiss already. What if you don't no. have any? Oh, wait until oh. she meets a, a new guy, uh, 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 Bobby Thick Lips. <laughs> <laughs> you stay away from Bobby's lips. Is <laughs> 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 a kiss is better if they're thick lips? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the thicker yeah, the better. Yeah, the thicker the better. Oh, ask, give yeah. me those big lips. <laughs> I want something that envelops mine. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, you got my nose in there. <laughs> what a good kiss. <laughs> but two weeks later, he comes to Sibylla with some news. He's not as rich as everyone thinks. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. Oh, in, no. In fact, he's been losing money for years since his bank failed. <gasps> That's how rich he was. He had a bank. Yeah, wow. And now he's pretty much flat broke. He's like... I had to tell you the truth and I don't expect you to want to marry me anymore now I'm poor, but I had to tell you. Opposite Joe Millionaire reality show. Yes. Mm. So she tells him that she's like, I don't care about that. I will marry you, but I'll marry you in four years when I'm 21, whether you're rich or poor. She's already done the three-month thing. You know, she's like, that wasn't enough. Wait four years. She asks him to promise that if he meets another woman between now and then, he shouldn't worry about her, shouldn't feel bad. And she promises not to seriously flirt with any other man. Sibylla sounds like the drama. Okay, now now I've yeah. now I've flipped a little bit. I would still go to her and go like he's being a dog, but I would also go like you, you be this is dr- this is yeah, dr- you're creating it, you're creating drama here. for fun. I mean, you're not even in your twenties yet. That is the time to yeah. do like yeah. Guess what? She's over dramatic. what she's like. Wait till I'm twenty one. I'm yeah. gonna go on a Kentucky tour. I'm gonna yeah. live my life. Yep, yep, yep. Get that out of my system. Yep. Yeah. Then I'll settle down at twenty one. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll start popping out babies <laughs> yeah. for you or whatever. I'll be your slave. And in the meantime, they agree to not write to each other. So they're not going to speak <laughs> for four years. What are they doing? They they share one small oh, kiss. So... Finally, they've kissed. <gasps> Finally, and they, goodbye and, kiss. Yeah, and she's like, that was awful. No, she's not. <laughs> They part. His lips were so thin. <laughs> oh, thin lips. So Nowhere near my nose. <laughs> oh, I've got a dry nose after that kiss. <laughs> he soon moves to Sydney for business because, you know, the farm's not going so well and they no longer regularly see each other and they promise they're not going to write letters. So they, <clears> they are having a four-year break, technically still engaged, but they are. He's allowed to see other women. She's not allowed to flirt with other women, uh, other men. So it's a very, yeah. very uh, equal scenario. But that does open up that, that loophole there where she is allowed to flirt with women. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Well, we can see where this next four yeah. years is going. Yeah. I want to ask you before we get to the end, what do you think will happen from here? Lesbians. <laughs> okay, honestly. Um, well, Alistair put the thing in my head. It, it would be lovely if this turned into a beautiful story of someone finding um, the love of their life. Um, She's like, I actually like this person. Who's, yeah. Who's a, yeah, who's a lady and then they realise it. But I feel like uh, probably what is going to happen, I mean, okay, so everything goes badly. She still has her freedom furniture. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. How do we loop back around to the beginning? What's a fun way to do that? Well, well we don't know that she's necessarily single at the start. She's just oh, telling me, I'm just telling you about my life. This, well, is what, this is just my egotistical story. Let me tell you about my life. Oh, well, oh, yeah, sorry. There is a thing where you mentioned that, you know, he was like the one sweetheart or whatever in her yeah. life. Yeah. Makes mm-hmm. me think that he probably gets away. I mean, 
it's so strange that like she's kind of like she's she's got her big ideology or big ideas about you know the marriage and all that kind of stuff and then and falling in love with anybody and then suddenly she discovers that she can fall for somebody and then she's like which kind of like you know shatters a little bit of some of her ideas but then she's like she's like no no, no wait i got another big idea four-year break yeah yeah <laughs> great like that right just thinking like oh none of these things are permanent whatever like that and so she's not realizing that you know once you're onto the good thing, potentially, you know, that you should go with it and take advantage of it. So maybe she'll, she's going to get sad at the fact that she didn't take advantage of uh, something good while it was available. See, I think what's going to happen is she's going to realize that she does love this guy. They end up together and kind of loop back to just being in the farmhouse and going like, do you know, you know how some stories at the end it's like, oh, career is important, but do you know what's more important? Love. Love. Right. Love. And that's why they're, they're and it's in like the farmhouse with the terrible, f- terrible furniture. Yes. But they're poor, yes. but who they're cares? Poor, but they're happy. Exactly. The brilliant career, it happened, but it is done now. It's in mm. the past of looking at a cow and going, oh, they're <laughs> dead now. <Yeah. laughs> that's that's done now. Her mm. new career of love. Yeah, love. That's the love, real career. That's, that's the, the real career. That's, that's, love is my profession. That's what I took out of this and that's what I think everyone should take out of this today. Everyone quit yeah. their jobs. Kiss a person with yeah. thin lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, but maybe she'll go to Sydney and she'll become a dancer. <gasps> well, let's find out. Australian Idol. <laughs> Did she get a ticket to Sydney? You're going to Sydney! <laughs> well, there's even more of a shake-up when a letter arrives after Christmas informing Sibylla that her no-good father has fallen even more deeply in debt, this time to a man called Peter M. Swat. <laughs> it's like a Peter M. Debt. They yeah. just give it up completely. <laughs> I've never said this out loud. It's M apostrophe, then capital S, W-A-T. M SWAT. Oh, Ms. SWAT. Ms. SWAT. I'm a SWAT. It probably is Ms. SWAT's bad, right? That's a thing? Is SWAT? Right now I'm going to Google the word. Yeah. SWAT? Is what? Is yeah, that SWAT. SWAT. What's SWAT. Sp- special like weapons a- and tactics? Oh, yes, that's right. SWAT team. Call them yeah. in. Sea, uh, earth. No, wait. Sea. <laughs> sea and air. Uh, that's the seal, I think, is something to do with that. Oh, Navy SEAL. Navy SEALs. Is oh, like yeah. Sea and air. Something. It means sweat. Don't worry. <laughs> I thought SWAT, I thought you could call someone a SWAT and it's like a mean thing to say to someone. Engineer. What's the E stand for? Oh, a SWAT. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a business thing, but it's S W O T. Ah. Uh, um, but it's a SWAT analysis. And I am looking up S W O T. Weaknesses, objectives, or something like that, and uh, tennis. Uh, should I not be looking up? <laughs> what? Yeah, you can tell me what SWAT means. I mean, all I'm getting, age, all I'm getting is special weapons and tactics. I've opened an age article about Boris. Jo- Where am I? Where am? I? Oh, it's a teacher's pet. It's a teacher's pet. It means a teacher's pet. That's what. It's oh, called. being a SWAT in, in Britain, I think yes. But I don't know. I don't. Oh, I've so just maybe, heard it in passing. I don't. Maybe Navy Maswat. So she gets the letter. It says your father's in debt to Peter Maswat, <laughs> who <laughs> who will accept Sibylla's services as a governess. To his children in place of payment of the loan. Wow. So her mum's like, hey, you've got to take one for the family. We can't afford to pay the loan, but if you go work for him as a governess, they'll, you know, that's instead of us paying you. I mean, it's a cool name too. I'd love to be called a governess. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really powerful, even mm. though I know it's probably not. Yeah, you're just in charge of the children, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm, 
You're just like a nanny. Yeah, but she is outraged because she's heard that the Maswat residence is supposed to be a squalid, awful place and his wife is apparently very boring and ignorant. (laughs) So Sibylla tries to protest, but to no avail and with some great sorrow, soon has to leave Kattegat, which she has realised is her home. It's like the the place she's been most happy in her life. She loves it there, but she's got to go live with the Maswats. Would have been great for a, a Mrs. Doubtfire style moment, but instead of, you know, it being Robin Williams trying to get his children back, you know, trying to at least see his children um, after, a, you know, a sort of a bad divorce, it's a dad trying to pay off his debts by becoming, uh, dressing up as like a Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire as a style governess. Yeah, to become the oh, governess. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> Feels like he should be paying off his debts in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A dirty dad. Dirty dog dad. But he's a bad guy, I'm afraid. How long has she got to do this uh, this governess business? I'm not sure. Seems like, you know, how long's a big a big debt like that going to Yeah, go you have to years? like sort of convert the, the, the loan to years yeah. as a nanny. Yeah. Feels like, I mean, maybe it's until the kids are grown up. Yeah. God, that would be so long. So she moves to the Maswat residence to look after their eight dirty children. And she has a pretty <laughs> miserable time. She's not mistreated, but she has nothing in common with the family that she sees as ignorant and uneducated. They've got no books. Their piano is broken. She she's extremely bored. She even they actually say to her, "Oh, I've heard you play piano. Will you play us a song?" And she gets on there, and it's so badly tuned she can't even play a song. But they like the sound of it anyway. <laughs> they go, "That sounds great." So in the end, she just starts hitting the keys harder and harder because the harder she hits, the more the kids like it. But she's just going, ah, ah, ah. and they're all going, "I love piano." <laughs> the kids don't respond to discipline. Their parents don't want to improve anything. She she offers stuff. She's like, maybe I can, you know, be useful. She offers to fence the animals in or tune the piano, but they tell her, no, nah, we're happy with the way the piano sounds now. It sounds good. So oh, she's not allowed to tune this it. This does sound really good, <laughs> though. There is something so nice about that sort of, you know, it's not even ignorance because it's, it's you want it to be that way. You just want to live like that. That sounds cool. Oh, man. I, how good would that be? Oh, that sounds great. So, yeah. I mean, you, like, you never have to have piano lessons. You just have to hit the keys and go, this is awesome. Ah. Yeah. That's, this is living. I love music. <laughs> I love music. <laughs> yeah, I'm a music. Muso. Yeah. Yeah, I tickle mean, the ivories. You realize, like, because music is just organized sound, but the fact that you could enjoy just sound. Just sound. Oh. Take out the organization. Yeah. Oh, my God. Beautiful. You can go listen to like the leaves on a tree shake yeah. and Ooh, just be like, I love this one. <laughs> but sadly, it's not enough for her. She's not happy. Really? No one respects her as they see her as the daughter of a loser. Because it turns out her dad, who used to be wealthy and owned a lot of property, used to be Miss Watt's boss. Mm. Now Miss Watt has got money and her dad's in debt to him, and they're all like, your dad is a loser, so no one respects her because of her dad. That is until she stands up for herself against the oldest child with a bit of corporal punishment, hitting him with what is called a switch, which I looked up as like a stick. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and then they then they start to respect her. Ah, what a good <laughs> lesson to learn yeah. from this book. <laughs> there you go. Another good lesson from this book. But she still finds the monotony of life at, I forgot to tell you, the house that they live at, Barney's Gap. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. She finds Barney's Gap unbearable. Eventually, she has a full-on breakdown and becomes bedridden and her hosts slash employers are so worried about it that they reach out to her family and send her back to Possum 
gully, which is where her mum and dad live, mm. to recover. Mr. Maswat takes her to the, the train station and tells Sibylla that her father need no longer worry about their debt. Sibylla thanks him and Mr. Maswat says, there is no good being alive if people don't help each other. So Maswat's all right. Yeah. Mm. He's all right. He's like, I'm sorry that my shit family made you have a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Your debt's repaid. Yeah. And she wow. actually acknowledges, oh, I've actually grown to like your children. I'm going to miss them. <laughs> but I'm not coming back. Yeah. I mean, she sounds a bit fickle. Yeah. I mean, she does sound. She, she's 17 yeah. years yeah, old. Yeah, she's 17 years old. And also, that yeah, that is when you're at your most, like, I think because you feel like you have so much possibility as well. Mm. You're like, all oh, these things can happen, so I'm going to make them happen. Yeah. It's like main character syndrome. But she also is the main character. Yeah. Now, that's the interesting yes. thing. If you have main character syndrome but also you are the person in the book, wow. Yeah, if you're a that's true. or something like that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also I guess maybe she didn't feel like she has that much of opportunity because, you know, back in those days she didn't have that much of opportunity. But she did because she was like, I'm not going to marry you. Let's wait a bit and I'll yeah, see who true. the men are that come along and I'll do this because I don't want to get tied down. I yeah. think she had a realm of possibility ahead of her. Unfortunately, she had a shit dad. That's true. Mm. Yeah. He used to be a good dad. I reckon he might have had a head injury or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you drink enough, it will affect you. Yeah, that's, that's true. So she's back at home where things aren't great. Her siblings are happy to see her, but her strict mother isn't really. And her father has become a full-fledged alcoholic. Mm. Mm. Their grandmother, Mrs. Bossier, offers to take one of the children in again at Kattegat to relieve the poverty at their house. Sibylla would love to go, but her mother instead sends her younger sister, Gertie. 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 How dare you. So Sibylla is stuck at home and one day gets word that Harold, the man she's supposed to marry at 21, has returned to his house at Five Bob Downs and that he has regained a fortune. <gasps> Through a stroke of luck, an old sweetheart of Harold's father left her wealth to the son of her lost love, and now he's back on top. He wow. inherited oh, one million dollars. Oh my wow. gosh! And he's going to go back to where he lost his last fortune. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> to win it. Let, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it all again. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cl- chase my losses. I know what where I went wrong last time. I lost it. Yeah. I I'm know. just not going to do that. Do you know time. what we can use this million for? A bank. A b- Banks never fail. <laughs> yeah. Here we go again. The news is actually a relief to Sibylla because she thinks that she will no longer be obligated to marry him. As he's rich now, he'll be able to marry someone else. So on better, she thinks. Sure. She writes to him and he responds that he will come and get her in a few months and that they can get married as planned. Oh, no. And she rips the letter in two, thinking that Harold is marrying her out of obligation. She's she's like, oh, he, he doesn't want to marry me anyone. He could marry anyone, but because... He's betrothed to me. He sees it as obligation. I feel bad. I Really, I, I'll let him go. So she writes back to him and tells him, marry someone else. And he's confused. Yeah. But, but writes back, I regret your decision, but trust I have su- sufficient manhood to prevent me from thrusting myself upon any lady, much less you. So she, he's like, okay, I guess you don't want me. That sounded like... It was all about a penis. Yeah. That was the weirdest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. I trust I have sufficient manhood <laughs> to prevent me from thrusting myself like upon that. any That's lady. Not That's a wild sentence. Yeah. It, I mean, it would have been a terrible sentence if it was, 
<laughs> to be se sexual. Yeah. But the fact that he wrote it without any double meaning yeah. is incredible. Then again, they only kissed that one time. So look. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't know. He doesn't know how it works. He doesn't know how it works. Her sister Gertie, who's moved to Kattegat, uh -oh. writes Sibylla letters <gasps> saying that she's met Harold. Uh and being more beautiful than her, Sibylla reasons that soon Harold will switch his affection to Gertie instead. Mm. Gertie sounds awful. Mm. <laughs> no offence, Gertie. Your name, bad. Your attitude, bad. I hate you. You're not on Team Gertie? No, I have the bare minimum amount of information, but I'm still on Team Sibylla for no reason. I'm a big Gert head, so no! I'm yeah. supporting Gertie. No! Gertie for life. Make some good choices, Gertie. <laughs> Make some Gert choices. <laughs> Gert out of here. Sibylla laments that love has proven to be exclusively for the beautiful, despite the fact that she is the one that's called off their wedding. Oh He's God. literally like, I'll pick you up next week, baby. And she's like, marry someone else. Someone more beautiful. I guess only beautiful people are allowed to marry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she thinks it's all over with Harold until one day he, out of nowhere, arrives at Sibylla's family home. At first he doesn't recognise her and looks on her with pity, which she hates. She's like, I don't want to be pitied. <laughs> he assumes that he has come to tell her something, and she bitterly assumes that he's about to tell her that he's fallen in love with her younger, prettier sister, Gertie. But really, he's come again to ask her to marry him. Wow. That is good, but also it's funny. The start did not recognise her, and now this part doesn't recognise her again. A nice little parallel. But also... Um, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to marry you. Where are, where would you go? Where'd you what? go? Who? Where are you? Which <laughs> of, which like of them again? is you? <laughs> and she responds, well, I thought you'd probably want to marry Gertie. And he's like, he's offended. He's like, you thought I'd want to marry that child? What are you talking about? So she's, she's come up with his own fantasy that he's in love with Gertie. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? He's also surprised because he thought her letters were just her teasing him and that she'd still want to marry. Even though she's like, I don't want to marry you, marry someone else. He's like. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> it does that was sound a bit. like one. It I sounds thought, like a good bit. We tease each other. I thought this was a bit of funny repartee. <laughs> but unfortunately, you don't want to marry me. She tells him that marrying him will mean an end to her independence, that he should find a woman who could be a better wife to him. He's, he tells her, I only want to marry you, though. She considers momentarily, but realises, as what the book says, quote, I wanted a man who would be masterful and strong, who would help me over the rough spots of life, one who had done hard grinding in the mill of fate, <laughs> one who had suffered, who had understood, no, I could never marry Harold Beecher. Oh, man, come on. Yeah. Like, All right, I'm off team, Sibyl. I was there. I'm I can't marry this guy who just, oh. like, wakes up one day and wins a million dollars out of nowhere. You're oh. too lucky. Oh. You haven't lived. <laughs> you haven't suffered like I've yeah. suffered. It's a very artist mentality as well. She, she doesn't need to go and sing in Sydney. She doesn't need that ticket from Australian yeah. Idol. She doesn't need the touchdown. Yeah. None of this makes any sense to anyone who doesn't. It's not from Australia. But it just sounds like she's like so many people think that people's value comes from suffering. I think it's a very old school, very Catholic idea. Mm. Um, and also I'm a Gert head now. I'm back on Gert. You're back on the Gert train. Yeah, I'm on the okay. Gert train. Yeah, but, um, doot, doot. but I also do wonder 
um hasn't he suffered didn't he just lose a fortune yeah like and like have to like leave his f- property and stuff yeah but, I mean, like, but he didn't win it back he didn't earn it back he didn't uh, he didn't grind in the middle of fate well i yeah. guess he did the fate was he got a million dollars from someone he did yeah. i mean he did yeah. the classic rich person thing of going oh no i'm poor i'll move to sydney <laughs> <laughs> no you're not poor you know some people are like i have no money but they have savings yeah. they're just like i don't have like you know yeah i'm not earning a hundred thousand dollars a day anymore no i have yeah. ten thousand dollars in the bank but i don't have like you know enough to to go get some people's yeah. mindsets of money it doesn't sound like he actually was super poor sure yeah he's like oh i don't have any money left i'll just leave my gigantic estate <laughs> and, and move to That's a right. different yeah. place yeah, which was never sold, it no, yeah. sold off. no so he does kind of sound like a doofus <laughs> but he makes her sleep on her decision mm. but the next day she hands him a letter explaining that she can't marry him but that it, w- it will always be a comfort to her that she was if only for a few hours loved what the heck? Okay, she, they're, you know how sometimes you see a relationship from the outside and you're like, <laughs> on both sides? Like, occasionally there's someone mm. you're like, oh, you're not good for that person. But yep. occasionally you see two people and you're like, I don't, I think you should. Yeah, yeah. Just some weird <laughs> you should both be alone forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. Don't inflict yourself yeah. upon anyone. No, 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 no. Harold returns home and she soon hears from her grandmother that he's since left on a holiday to travel the world. So he didn't marry anyone locally. In the final chapter, it is 1899, and the narrator Sibylla has a bit of a philosophical poem. She writes, What the future holds I know not, and am tonight so weary that I do not care. But she snaps herself out of her pessimism and grumbling and writes, I am proud that I am an Australian, a daughter of the Southern Cross, a child of the mighty bush. (laughs) 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 okay all right that tickled me too and she pays tribute to other australians struggling across the country and ends with this this is her final line well final paragraph the great sun is sinking in the west grinning and winking knowingly as he goes upon the starving stock and drought smitten wastes of land nearer he draws to the gum tree scrubby horizon turns the clouds to orange Scarlet, silver flame, gold. Down, down he goes. The gorgeous, garish splendor of sunset pageantry flames out. The long shadows eagerly cover all. The kookaburras laugh their merry, mocking good night. The clouds fade to turquoise green and grey. The stars peep shyly out. The soft call of the mopoke, mopoke, don't know this word, arises in the gullies. With much love and good wishes to all. Good night. Goodbye. Amen. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. Okay. So she did find love, but it was for her country. <laughs> yes, that's right. She fell in love with this sunburnt land. That's so – some people do – you know when you meet someone who is really patriotic and you're like, oh, you don't have much going on. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Like if, if you, you know, got into like collecting Pokemon cards, for example – I feel like that's something better to do with your time yeah. than patriotism. I've looked up m- Mopoke and it says Australian, another term for boo book. I don't know what boo book is, so I'm going to click on that. It's boo book. Boo book. A small Australasian owl. Oh, oh okay. Oh. So it was an owl. Hoot, hoot. That was so, unnecessary, but just in case you wanted. Oh, the soft call of the Mopoke, the soft call of the owls mm. arises in the gullies. So that's oh, the end. One of those ones. Maybe. So she didn't find love apart from the country. Apart from the saying. country, thank you. Thank but, mm. yeah, she, I, when I was reading it, I was like, 
clearly she's going to get with him at the end. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't work out like that. She decided no. And it was a bit of a battle because she did acknowledge that he's sort of her, her ticket out of there, mm. this wealthy guy mm. that does like her, but yeah. she's just like, he's just not right for me. I mean, that's kind of nice. There, there is because she didn't let the man save her. She just was like, well, I'd rather my independence, even though her independence is reliant mm. on the fact that her father screwed up and has left her in this situation. Yeah. Ah, the fun layers of patriarchy that have, <laughs> con- that have con- just struck her into yeah. the weird state that she's in. You're just kind of like held by one man until another one can take you away. It's kind of like yes. a weird situation she was in. Yeah, But also she was like... I guess she thought she had, and do you know what? I kind of agree with her. She kind of did have more control of the situation not going with him probably. Mm. Like it kind of sounds like it probably would have turned into, you know, she just do that. But it's uh, very strange, very strange, strange strange book. Yes, it, did, it didn't really go where I was expecting it to, especially because, you know, the love story didn't. What did I? Someone, one of the people who suggested it wrote that they've heard that it's Pride and Prejudice meets Jane Eyre in the Australian Outback. And I don't want to spoil out of those books, so skip ahead. I have done them on the show before, but both of them end up with the guy and mm. happily ever after. So that didn't happen here, which I quite liked. I actually yeah. liked that she went, nah, nah. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, She stuck to her principles. Yeah, exactly, because I just thought that it would end in a way where they lived happily ever after because mm. that just nearly always happens. I mean, mm. in saying that, who knows? It doesn't sound like they were very good for each other regardless. No, but I just so thought that that would, that would sort of be the ending of it. But, you know. There's no mention how big his lips were. How could we know? We yeah, don't. Or true. her lips. Everyone's lips weren't mentioned. We don't know their size. But she is only 21 years old and who knows, someone may die and just give her $1 million. Exactly. That's if, what I'm if, waiting if for. If her dad been <laughs> sleeping around enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, An old lost love. Mm. What, did, what did you think of it here? You're, Beck, you're thinking a bit of a, a strange story, unexpected maybe, yeah. I mean, I think it makes it more of a, you know, like it's, it wouldn't make a feminist point if it, if she had ended up with him and it would just be another story like the others. So it does feel like it's like the beginning of some kind of resistance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's not a love story at all. No. And I think I like that about it. Cause yeah, me too. Yeah. And she just goes her own way. Yeah. And also like there is, there is a very that whole idea of like some guy sweeping her up and fixing all the problems. He sounds kind of like a stupid dum dum anyway. Like mm. he lost all his money. Who's to say he's not going to do that again and then she's just going to be in a bad situation elsewhere? I mean, true, I true. thought that they were going to be in a bad situation elsewhere because it seems like that's his sort of personality. At least we don't, it doesn't say necessarily where she ends up, does it? Doesn't say if she ever goes to Sydney. Doesn't say. If no, we don't know. I think as yeah. she's writing it at the time, being like, now and now I'm 21. Goodbye. Like, she's so she's got a whole lot ahead of her. Yeah. So she could go do anything from there, and it's kind of nice. As opposed to, I think you know, stories like this end when you, you know, the the guy and the girl get together, and you're like, well, they live happily ever after. Now mm. it's kind of like a big question mark. I like that. That you're like, well, she could go do anything. She could get something better than freedom furniture. Um, yeah. Dare gallery. <laughs> sure, yeah. She could just get like something secondhand that she could fix up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And also she might live happily ever after, you know. You can still live happily ever after even if you haven't married a rich guy. What? I think. <laughs> <gasps> no. An inter- interesting thing to note is that she wrote a sequel to it, Miles Franklin, called My Career Goes Bung. <laughs> 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 it's very funny. 
That is a very Australian title. Which she wrote between 1902 and 1904, so pretty much just after this My Brilliant Career came out. But she couldn't get it published uh, and it wasn't published. It was reworked in the 30s and not republished or not published until 1946, 45 years after the first one. Wow. Because um, they couldn't get a publisher. It was seen as quite controversial because of its like overt feminism. And other themes, it was just amazing yeah. that, like, you know, at 19 she could get the first one published and then she, you know, has this big career where she wrote 18 other books and it wasn't until the, the mid-1940s that she could get the the sequel to her most famous book published because mm. people weren't interested. Is it amazing or is it misogyny? Yeah. 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 Maybe publishers the in the early times thought, oh, well, this is a good tale of uh, – <laughs> Of what happens to a woman if she chooses not to marry a man? She'll end up alone at the back of her parents' place. You know, it'll be no, a cautionary tale. We can't have the sequel. Then yeah. the women will learn they can get out. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. That um, did but was it ever published in a way that people know knew what happened, or is it just that it existed and people knew? Oh no, it's that. I mean, you oh, can, can get you it. can oh. get a copy of it. Um, I I don't know. I actually haven't looked into what the the plot of that is. Maybe one day I'll get to that because I'd like to know what because it's called the full title is My Career Goes Bung, purporting to be the autobiography of Sibylla Penelope Melvin. Oh, it sounds so fun! So this would let us know at mm. least what the author had planned for the character afterwards. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I I, enjoy, I enjoyed reading it. We always give it a score out of five at the end bef- before we wrap up. Beck, what would you give? My brilliant career, as you heard it here today, out of five. I, I really kind of I like it. I, I liked it from the start. I don't love that it ends with well, patriotism. Yeah, I don't yeah. love that. Mm. Um, you know, especially given when it was written. I don't. Know, but love a girl boss attitude. Love saying no to guys just because they're the option. That that in itself, I feel like, is a very. It's a cool thing that it is so old, but I. I genuinely still think you could make a great film, and there probably is one, and we just don't know about it. Uh, like a, you could make a great film adaptation nowadays of this, and it would still be really cool. I really like it. I'm yeah. gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four. Like I think it's pretty good. Four out of five from Beck. Yeah, Love I just that. hate Gertie, so it's still five. Like it's Gertie brings it down one, yeah. but maybe it brings it up one for Al. I don't know. Oh, it does bring it up one, but it brings it up to three point five. <laughs> <laughs> three point five out of five. Yeah. Thank you very much, Al. I'm also going to give it a four out of five because maybe the story at the end, I think maybe sort of petered out a bit for me. But mm. the character, love the character. Yeah. Very fun and some really funny bits in there, especially when she's addressing you as the reader. And I, like, I could not get over the fact that it was so old yeah. and written by like a, mm. a first novel of a teenager. It's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Very impressive stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a four out of five. It reminds me, too, of uh, New Romantics by Taylor Swift. Very parallel lines in lyricism, I think. There you go. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I like that, yeah. Or maybe not. The listen, o- to a, listen to it as your voice. Listen we, to 1989 as you're reading this well, book I like that the 1999. O- the opening line grabbed you and you were like, oh, that reminds me of Taylor Swift. And now even by the end you're like, yep, that reminds I think me of this. it still does. That's I think cool. Because it is like saying no to the person. It's love. I I, I really like it. I it's not about love. It's about your own independence and Australia, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is better to be free, I think. You know, that's what I've, I've learned from this. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I think that you're right. That Swifties are the new, uh, are they just the new Franklies? 
think they might be. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful words to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Alistair, where, where can people find, see, hear you on the internet? You know, you can find me where all good podcasts are downloaded. Beautiful. Um, on at Two in the Think Tank. Um, you can find me at Shusher Guided Meditations. You can find me online at Alistair TB or A Trombley Virtual. Just, you know, all the normal stuff where you would normally find a person. Google my name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Al. And Beck, where can people find, see, hear you? You can find me on the internet everywhere at Beckness, mostly on Twitch. I'm going to be, I mean, this is coming out after this happens, but I'm, I'm about to try and play Spyro 2 all the way through. Oh, cool. Just mm. for the heck of it. And That's then um, after that I'm going to make, um, do you know Chef Club? I don't know if people know. It's No, but I like the sound. Iron, of it. Iron well, Chef Club? No, not Iron Chef yeah. Club, if only. But uh, Chef Club is like a, a, a I wasn't going to say terrible, but it is. It's a terrible like sort of social media account that they make food, but the food is baffling, like Ziploc omelette is sort of one of the oh. things. I'm mentioning oh. this because I got a Chef Club book and um, I'll be making some things out of that book. Nice. Um, like zip cl- Ziploc omelette I've made right. before. I wouldn't recommend it. Tastes like plastic, yeah, but right. it was an omelette. Is it fried? In no, the bag? it was you like sous vide. Oh, you put yeah. the egg into the Ziploc bag and put, like, put it in water and sort of boil it. Ah. Oh. Um. It, no, don't. This is not oh, me no, saying don't. No, 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 no. no. I've tried it and don't, don't. But it came out of a book. <laughs> well, we love books here. <laughs> yeah. We love books. But you know, it's funny because you used to say like a weird food thing. Because right before we started this podcast, I had thought of a new food that I thought could be <gasps> a really weird food that you could make. Okay. It's a cereal taco. And so you just take a taco shell. Yes. And you put some cereal in it, like a breakfast cereal. Yeah. And then you put some milk on top. <laughs> And then do you have to like sort of build up some walls or let the nah, milk pour through? You just let it pour through. I mean, oh, yeah. eating tacos is messy. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a bib. Yeah. It's just... a breakfast taco in a very literal sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like, I like it. I anyway, like it. I just have never seen it, you know. Neither have I. And I'm all about having an original thought. Yeah. <laughs> I've just realized I meant breakfast burrito. This is just extending it out. You're right. No, but yeah. br- you've heard of a breakfast yeah. burrito, but now, have you heard of a breakfast taco? Oh, a breakfast burrito good. would make way too sense with cereal in it. Yeah, yeah. that'll be good as well. <gasps> good as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow at Book Cheat Pod or Dave Warnicky on all the social medias. And if you want to support the show, Patreon.com/slash Do Go On Pod, where we've got nearly 200 bonus episodes that myself, Matt, and Jess from the Do Go On podcast have put out over the years. But thanks so much for joining me. Until next time, I'll say thank you. And as we always say here, books forever. Books forever. Books forever. I, I thought we always ch- chant books, 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 books. That's books. what you do, and I love it. Oh yeah, let's do it. Books, 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 books. Bye, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.